Hello and welcome to Fast Charge. I'm your host Dom. I am joined this week by Toddy, Hannah, Hello. and Aniron. How's it going? Good. It is episode 53. Um, we completely forgot <laughs> the last week was episode 52 and thus a full year of Fast Charge until happy after birthday. we were done recording. <laughs> so, belated <laughs> happy birthday to ourselves. <laughs> Do you remember uh, those days when we were back in the studio? Barely. Oh. <laughs> those heady days. I think we managed, what, like three episodes or something and then actually yeah. studio. Yeah. yeah. Oh dear. One day. One day. Uh, we have a full docket of stuff this week. We have an actual phone launch. We have two phone launches, the Moto G10 and Moto G30. Uh, two new budget devices from Motorola that also mark them finally revamping their naming convention, as we've talked about a couple of times on the show already. We then had one of the biggest and weirdest phone leaks in forever in the Xiaomi Mi 11 Ultra. Uh, not only because the phone's weird, but because the leak is weird, because a Filipino YouTuber just suddenly had two of them, like two of the phones with him on video, did a 10-minute hands-on, then promptly it got taken down. Obviously, it's been mirrored everywhere and we've all seen it. So we'll run through what is going on with that weird phone. Uh, and finally, we're going to talk about LastPass, uh, the password management tool that made headlines this week because it just very rapidly went from the most popular password manager in the world to one of the least popular because it just completely tanked its free offering, made it so useless that I cannot imagine anyone sticking with it. Um, and uh, it seems like one of those very misjudged examples of someone trying to push users to their premium tier, and I'm just counting down the days till they retract it. In the meantime, uh, here are the other little bits and bobs that have happened in the phone world over the last week. I think the most exciting and slightly disappointing one is that we found out the internal dessert name for Android 12, and it's Snowcone. Which sure is rubbish. Mm. Not sure. I mean, they had sherbet, s'more. Uh, someone suggested snickerdoodle. They obviously they couldn't have done Sunday because they already did ice cream Sunday, which is a shame. Mm. They kind of limited mm. themselves from doing that. But yeah, I I feel like they could have done a lot better than snow cone. Uh, this is not a marketing term anymore. In case you re don't remember, they used to use these like dessert code names for every release, and now they they don't really publicize them. But still, you can kind of dig up. They apparently keep using them internally. Android 11 was Red Velvet Cake, apparently. Are we sad that they killed the names publicly, or do we wish they still, like, are we just happy with just numbers now for simplicity? I'm a little sad. I equally think it totally makes sense as a branding thing. And I think the biggest thing that someone, you know, is that for people who followed Android releases, they made sense. For people who didn't, it was probably incredibly confusing. Just weird. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when you're trying to find out what Android version you have and people are like, you know, giving both a number and an unrelated candy as your answer. <laughs> and you're trying to make sense of what that means for your phone and whether you're meant to get an update. And people just keep talking to you about jelly beans and stuff. Um, <laughs> probably quite unhelpful. So I do get it. Uh, second big bit of news uh, is all about nothing. Carl Pei's new company uh, has gone ahead and bought Essential, which is the sort of disgraced company of a former uh, Android founder that put out two phones? One and a half. Maybe? One and say. a half phones? Yeah, they, there was like teasing of the second one and like supposed confirmation. We have a story from like two years ago, three years ago on it. And uh, yep. yeah, it just never materialized. 
Um, but they, I, they, did, they did release some mods. They had a modular phone, technically, which is kind of cool. Yep. But just there was really... some cool hardware <laughs> and interesting designs, but a combination of being a startup phone manufacturer, yeah. which is a hard space to be, uh, and the founder having some sexual harassment allegations against him uh, was too much for the company to bear. It is really weird that nothing has gone and bought the brand mm. because from all we can tell, the main thing they bought is the brand and the trademarks. And Carpe said on Twitter, we bought the trademarks. Um, but I don't know why you'd want them because they put out one and a half phones. No one remembers them. And the main association now is sexual harassment. <laughs> so which makes me think the patents, there must be patents in there. There's the only I think reason. it must be patents and they're just not talking about that. But actually yeah. there's a patent they wanted. Uh, otherwise, it's just they're, they're just buying it so that they can make lots of dumb jokes about how nothing is essential and things like that. <laughs> well, I enjoyed Judy, making just the thumbnail the for the image that just said nothing essential. Um, yeah. <laughs> just to that point right before we started today uh nothing also put out a, a tweet with a kind of teaser trailer for the brand which isn't like the most mm. kind of it, it obviously it tells you nothing but also gives you a kind of hint of what they might be going for we know they're going to be doing headphones yep. but they also mention things like watches phones and computers mm. whether that means they're going to make those products we don't know but just well, interesting yeah that is the flip side of the essential purchase it opens up that question of are they going to make phones? Mm. So obviously Carl Pay comes from OnePlus. OnePlus is a phone company. I kind of thought maybe he was going to stay clear of phones. But buying Essential, really, it's hard to read that as anything other than mm. some intention to make phones. Yeah. I think also, um, <laughs> if you're coming at this as somebody who's not a like tech-involved person, the name is just really... It's just so Which confusing. One? <laughs> <laughs> Quite. It's just so confusing. Because it's just like, you know, it just... If you see it, I know it's capitalized and everything, but it's just like, you're like, well, what, what are you selling then? I don't understand. You, are you selling nothing? Like, <laughs> selling nothing. <laughs> yeah. I think everything it might make more sense. Everything nothing. Exactly. Yeah. Once we start seeing products, maybe it'll help. But, you know, the, the pitch from them is that the, the name comes from the idea that they want tech. They're going to sell tech that recedes into nothing. Like tech that just does its job. But you don't notice it. You don't have to think about it. it Kind of, you know, that that's that, that that's the sweet point of tech, tech that you can forget about. I, I see where it's coming from. Yeah, they're going to have some SEO challenges, if nothing else. Yeah. But uh, we'll <laughs> see where that goes. The other thing to say on them is they, they've opened up for uh, essentially crowdfunding, uh, uh, giving giving general sort of, or they, they're calling their community the chance to invest in the company. Uh, they have just been taking applications for that right now, but they've already had, uh, I think they were saying something like $17 million worth of applications to invest yeah so if you're curious you can go and do that if you think they've got a shot uh the the good important caveat there and that to his credit even carl pay has said on twitter most startups fail and he's fairly open that you know this is a startup statistically speaking it will fail so you yeah. know i think please have nine, caution i think it, it's nine in ten nine in ten fail. <laughs> wow, I, I wow. Could that. yeah I, I know he comes from oneplus but this isn't oneplus it's a different company. It does not have the backing that OnePlus had when it started out. So please bear that in mind if you're looking at throwing money into it. Uh, moving on, a um, little bit of rumor, but interesting. The P50 series from Huawei, which we hadn't really heard a lot about for a while. We just had a leak saying it is still coming in March. This is only interesting because there's still all these speculation about Huawei's phone business, whether they can keep going, how they even have access to chips, how many chips they've got stockpiled, and how many phones they can build. But supposedly there is another set of three P50 phones coming in March. And that's after we're getting the Mate X2 next week. So they are being bullish that they can keep making phones. 
Um, and everyone from outside the company is still a bit bemused as to where the components are coming from. Yeah. There's also but mention of like must... a new chip as well that we haven't heard of before, the 9000E. Yeah. Like... And I have no idea how that works and who the, who is allowed to build that for them and, yeah. and how this is working. But anyway, there is there are in theory still more Huawei phones to come. Other things on the horizon, MWC, Mobile World Congress, would normally be happening uh, around now, actually, in, in Barcelona. It is instead going to be happening in June or July. It's swapped places with MWC Shanghai, which normally happens in the summer and is now happening next week in February. But MWC Shanghai tends to be a much smaller show. And they're going ahead with MWC Shanghai in person, though it's at about a third of the size, 20,000 attendees rather than 60,000. But China's in a very different state with the virus with respect to Spain. Uh, and it is just somewhat to our surprise that they have insisted they are still going ahead with an in-person event in Barcelona in the summer that they expect to have 50,000 people attend. Down from a normal 100,000, but still 50,000. Wow. Can I just say, this is all sounding a bit familiar. Can we remember 12 <laughs> months ago <laughs> when they kept insisting, <laughs> like, like every week they were like, no, it's still going ahead. And like more and more people pulling out, they were like, no, 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 yep. no, it's still <laughs> going ahead. And it's like... And that, that is the thing worth, worth saying. When, that, when it got cancelled last year, it wasn't the organisers that cancelled it out of choice really it was the vendors that all pulled out on that yeah, yeah and then brilliant. they kind of looked and said well we don't have sony we don't have samsung we don't have lg we, we don't have what you know all almost every big company pulled out ahead of time and then they just had to pull the plug because they didn't have any companies to show off i can't help but think the same is going to happen here they're bullish mm. that they're going to do it they say they're going to have testing on site they're going to require negative tests within 72 hours for all attendees stuff like that i still think Almost every major company is just going to say, no, we're not sending staff. Yeah. It just won't happen. It's weird when I think about MWC, because to me, it was the first sign in like real person how much the virus was actually taking hold. Because mm. I remember us all mm. being in the office, us all standing in the kitchen and being like, I can't believe, like, who was it that pulled out first? Like, what like LG was brand? one of the big ones. Yeah, I think LG I can't believe that. And then, you know, look what? Like, you know, so surely Still other people aren't yeah. going to pull out. And literally within, like, it took, it was like two, three weeks and then we were all working from home. It was like, interesting, you know, finding out after the fact that there were people at CES, which did take place at the start last year, um, who had since tested for, you know, they, they'd had, uh, they were negative, but they'd had COVID in their system. Yep. Which would imply that at the time when it was active, they were probably at CES. Yep. So, yeah. Which Tolly and I were at. Yeah. <laughs> I felt fine. I, mean, I, still, I felt good. <laughs> I, I don't know if I've, you know, said this on the show before, but, you know, I was at the, the uh, Qualcomm's um, Snapdragon conference in December in Hawaii, and I came down with the worst. <laughs> Something hit me hard when I was in Hawaii. It was awful. Uh, I couldn't speak at all. Uh, for for like days, and it, not not exact COVID symptoms, but there's always been that little bit in the back of my head, like maybe it. Yeah. <laughs> also, like not, the the seventy two but... hours thing that they're talking about is basically a redundant test because, like, within the seventy two exactly. hours of them getting tested, they could still get it after that on the travel course, over. Yeah. Like exactly, and, so and many holes. Spain's they've been talking so far about away from vaccines as well. Like yeah, yeah, their rate yeah. is yeah. much lower than like we've got in the yeah. UK in terms of vaccinations per day. It's yeah, awful. it's just it, it, it's hopeless. There's no way it's going to work. They're talking about trying to turn all of Barcelona into a bubble, and it just doesn't make sense because I'm confident there's a lot of people with COVID in Barcelona right now. So I just cannot see mm. how this is going to work. 
Uh, and final little bit before we get into the the show proper, um, Facebook has basically just sort of banned Australia, I guess. <laughs> Cancelled. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is in response to the sort of recent ruling in Australia about social media companies and Google and the like having to pay publishers for news content that gets shared on the platforms. Uh, Google is paying up. Facebook has just said no, and so has banned every news publisher from Facebook in Australia. Uh, they are someone is a bit like over eager with the ban hammer, unfortunately. And they've also mm. caught loads of government institutions, international organizations, charities, things like that have all suddenly had their Facebook pages taken down or all the posts removed from them and things like that, all because Facebook doesn't want to pay for news. And, and, and even the good case of this like rolling out, they fix all this, it will still be the case that you will not be able to read news articles from Australian publishers on Facebook or through Facebook, which is really weird. I mean, I feel like the backlash they're going to get to this is worse than just paying up. Like, do you know what Definitely. I mean? Like, it's just like, mm-hmm. they can afford it. Like, let's be real. Like, you know, like, and it's like, mm. you know. I it mean, also feels like they're delaying the inevitable because there is talk of this legislation being brought in across Europe as well, partly because it's been successful in Australia and, and also in France, I think, has managed to essentially get this in. And so there's talk of having it, you know, the EU is very curious about bringing this sort of stuff in. Google's already kind of backed down enough to show that it's willing to play ball with it. So it's going to happen. And mm. Facebook can't just take down news worldwide or, or across all of Europe or something. So they've got to like just accept mm. the fact that they, at least in some markets, they're probably going to have to start paying publishers when news gets shared on the platform, and that will be the model. Um, mm. I know they're going to fight that tooth and nail, but just taking mm. it all down doesn't seem like mm. no. so, I mean, so I think obviously I think... bad for Australian users. Mm. Sorry, so I mean... Uh... Yeah, I think Facebook has always been pitched as kind of this place that you can catch up with friends and family, but you can also get the latest news. You can get everything mm. you want there. And then it kind of is completely counter to that strategy. People will just look on oh, other social totally. networks, on other sites. And and so. for, for, for a social media network that's already battling with like fake news and accusations mm. that are too soft on fake news and all that stuff to suddenly say, well, we'll just remove all the legitimate news platforms. Yeah. Uh, kind of <laughs> doesn't doesn't help their case that they're doing doing a job of fighting up. Anyway. Right, uh, the Motorola G10 and G30 mm. have arrived. Uh, Toddy, you have you have the deets. Yeah, Motorola was kind enough to give me a little kind of heads up on these beforehand. Um, we've actually already got hold of the phones. I think the the image for this episode is actually one of our own photos. Thanks to our gifted photographer and videographer, Dom Tom. Um, yep. But they, as you might be able to tell if you've seen that image, they are very similar looking devices. Both are uh, the first entries in the 10th generation of the Moto G range, uh, which is a little confusing because I'm pretty sure last year we had both Moto G8 and G9 devices and technically Moto G devices with no numbers, which as you alluded to at the start of the episode, Dom, Motorola's naming has been in the G series has been like a real mess for a long time. And this is supposedly them fixing it. I'm not 100% sold, but the idea (laughs) is... That there's two digits now, and because because of basically because of, of COVID and, and how they've changed their their retail structures, they used to have kind of like TikTok specific waves of when they would sell phones uh, in this range, and now they can kind of just roll them out at a constant kind of even rate throughout the year, um, depending on the market, obviously. Um, so they are using this two digit system now to help uh, delineate between like which which phone slots in where. So right now we've just got the G10 and the G30. We might, I don't know, get a 15 that fits in between them or 20 did, or 25. Did they tell you if this means the end of the 
play plus power monikers because we you know if you look at the g9 series you've got a g9 play a g9 plus a g9 power yeah. a regular g9 and and it was always their way of differentiating within the series and they would be kind of a little more focused you, you would hopefully have the sense that power meant it was the one with a bigger battery and plus was a bit bigger as a whole and things like that i would argue like if they'd kept hold of that that would have also made perfect sense to continue that and just as long as they didn't then also have like the moto g5 g plus as a product in the same year that was where it got confusing this, yep. I guess, in a sense, detracts from that because then you lose the word that emphasizes the feature. Um, so it's it's a fair question. I didn't ask that one. I was asking more about the, the, the numbering system and how that's going to work going forward. Um, and no one else at the time asked. But we can certainly reach out and maybe push a tweet out after the episode to confirm what that means for future. Um, or I guess we'll probably have to wait and see if they actually release a product. Um, I did just before the episode start look at their US site as well. Um, these phones aren't on sale in the US yet. They're coming to, uh, they're in, I think, France and Poland right now. And they're coming to other European markets in the UK very soon. Um, and in the US, they haven't released that, but they have released the Moto G Stylus 2021. So they have kept the G without a number, but then added a year, which is a new thing for them as well. I don't know if that's just US market or if we're going to get that over here too separately. Like, So I'm still very apprehensive. Yeah. Um, totally. That's that's one of the big questions because this was it was over the last year or so that they started to shift and they kept the number G phones here, but in the US just dropped the numbers and everything just became the Moto G, yeah. the Moto G 5G, the Moto G Stylus. So are they going to be consistent here? And we already know we've you spoke about on the show before um, that there's a phone that's rumored to be the Moto G 100. Yeah. That, uh, when it comes to the West, and and that to be fair, at the time, you know, the tips as you said that I can't remember who it was. Whichever tipster said that also said, well, we're also going to see a G10 and a G30. So that looks now fairly right. legit. Um, but that's the one that was part of the Moto Edge line in China. So even we're still already at a point where it's still inconsistent internationally. I think, um, like, so looking at the net, the names, mm. it seems like a lot of brands go after what the flagships are doing when it comes to naming conventions. <laughs> yeah. So like. G G10 reminds me of Samsung, like, you know, S10, sure. that sort of thing. Mm. Um, and Huawei does the same thing with um, or Honor, like with the uh, with the Magic Book replicating the MacBook and that sort of thing. And it's just like, mm. what's wrong with one, two, three? Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> just like, what's wrong with that? I don't get it. Like, I think everybody's trying very, very hard to, different, to make their brand solid. Mm. And then when they can't do that, they just try and copy what the big guys are doing. Yeah. It's I, like... I don't know who the worst offender is because obviously like we talked previously when we talked about the Xperia rumors about like the Mark three, but it's just Roman numerals yeah. next to a, a, a Latin mm. number. That's yeah, confusing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Samsung actually thinking about it now, now that they've gone for this year based naming in the S range and the note range for the time being. So, you know, last year was 20, this year is 21, but their A series actually doesn't do that because that now just still sticks to the previous convention, which is, yeah. You know, zero, one, three, five, seven, and nine. Well, the A series is, yeah, the A series is kind <laughs> of similar to what maybe Motorola's planning to do. Yeah, where you have the A, you know, we're looking at the release the higher of the, the number. A fifty-two and the A seventy-two, yeah. all of the, the better uh, or uh, bigger the device. Exactly, and those are both follow-ups to the fifty-one and the seventy-one, and kind of the first number tells you the, the tier, and then the second number tells you the iteration within that tier but then so they do have the a02 core <laughs> no it's going to get technical <laughs> basically all of phone names are a mess and i don't know we're just, why we're just taking numbers <laughs> 
numbers out of the name. Like, yeah, you know, just... back in my day, I remember <laughs> that used to have, like, actual name, like, just, just a name. Name I mean, something. I like fair. LG's doing, to be fair, the, the wing yeah. and the velvet. Yeah, LG, LG have been really good. I like their names. LG used to be awful. They used to be the LG Optimus whatever, and then maybe a number on the end of that. Um, actually, thinking back, actually. LG Chocolate. Yeah, Didn't it's always been bad it. though because we had like you know Nokia thirty three ten wasn't great. Sony Ericsson T sixty AI was not a great name. No. <laughs> so yeah, yeah I think we we're just we were. forever destined to be in, in bad phone names. But beyond the phone names, <laughs> I know. What, I what about the actual phones? Tell you about these phones. Um, <laughs> what do these things do? They look very similar. Um, they have the same uh, screen. I think it's a six point five inch IPS LCD. Yeah. The 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 numbers, as I said, denote like better specs from the G thirty. Um, that manifests really in like the most obvious thing is it's got a 90 hertz 6.5 inch HD display rather than a 60 hertz panel. Um, mm-hmm. On the inside though, I think you also get you get double the storage. Although some markets the the G10 also gets 128 gigabytes, but in most markets G30 is the only one that comes with 128 gigabytes. You get a better chip, so instead of a Snapdragon 460 in the G10, G30 has a Snapdragon 662. Both of these yep. are 4G phones. There's no 5G mm. um, in the, the only kind of G phones with 5G. I think the Moto G 5G and 5G Plus, um, which we've reviewed. Um, the cameras are almost identical. On the back, they're both quad camera setups with a, an ultra wide, a macro, and a depth which is the same on both phones, but then the main camera is different. So you get a 48 meg on the G10, you get a 64 meg sensor on the G30, um, slightly higher res front facing camera. Um, and I think that's it. Oh, and faster charging on the G30 as well. So yep. 10 watt, it's 20 watt turbo power. Mm. Um, and they do include a charger in box. I did ask about that just to be sure. And they were like, yeah, we have no plans to, to stop that. Um, beyond that, they are the same. So they have plastic bodies in similar kind of pearlescent finishes that look quite nice. They both have NFC in at least the UK and Europe, which is important for users over here. They do have a headphone jack, rear fingerprint sensor, dedicated Google Assistant key, which is a nice feature that we've seen on the likes of um, some of Nokia's Android phones as well. Um, yep. And beyond that, yeah, micro SD expandable, just fundamentals. They're both under 180 quid. I think the uh, in the UK, the... G30 is going to be 179. Um, it's sold out right now. I don't think it's actually in stock yet on Motorola's website. Um, and the G10 is 149.99. I think those are the euro prices. Oh, I, yeah. Sorry, 129. My bad. And 159 pounds. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Um, but yeah, 149 euros and 179 uh, euros respectively. So they're they're pretty affordable. I've got to say, with that yeah. price gap, yeah, I would always push someone towards the G30 There's... purely because of the chip. Yeah. There's so much That's kind of it extra but. for not much financially extra there's so much feet in terms of functionality i think you're going to get it out of it in the long term yeah a 30 pound or euro difference and the, like i said the main the main thing for me would be the jump from a 460 to a 662 is going to yeah. be actually quite significant in terms of performance and that's always the big thing at that price i think the camera a 64 megapixel versus 48 they're both going to be terrible you know <laughs> i don't i don't think one's going to be better than the other really um and we're sending them to the speeds. same reviewer to test that fact to see how much more of a difference you get if they're both terrible yeah. if one actually is better because it's got more mm. pixels to play with so we'll i see. can't see it but yeah. no, i will say i think on paper these look a bit more competitive than i'm used to seeing from motorola for the last year or two they've you know we used to love the moto budget phones and then i think the likes of Realme and xiaomi have just been too aggressive in their their specs and pricing for the last year or so of motos to really match them at all and this looks a bit better to me yeah i was thinking that the budget space in general is just getting more and more competitive now and yeah um, especially like from yeah the likes of um 
eastern rivals just completely coming in and swooping yep. in and all that so they've got to really while these phones aren't on sale in the US yet, they make much more sense as an affordable choice for the US market than they do here, just yeah. like we've talked about yeah. with the Pixel yeah. 4a series in the past. The um, the biggest issue, I think, for both phones, but especially the, the G30, is that for 20 quid more, you can get the Oppo X3 NFC, which has a better chip and a better camera, presumably, uh, and all sorts of other extra gubbins, and that's yeah. getting cheaper every like day. So that could actually yep. cross over the threshold and end up being cheaper than the uh, than the, the G30 pretty quickly. Yeah. It's a good point you make on the US market. There was the news the other day that the Nord N10 and N100 have maybe been OnePlus's most successful phones in the US yet, <laughs> and they're on track for shipping 2 million handsets in 2021 wow. just, wow. just through T-Mobile Metro, through one carrier. Wow. Um, and it's just that telling thing that the, the US budget market you know, I don't know whether we've got any US people watching along at the moment, but it's a very different space. There's just much less competition. And so we're used to looking at these phones from the lens of the UK and European market, where a lot of the Asian phones do make it and there's all this competition. And then suddenly if you look at the US, it's kind of like, well, for the cheap phones, yeah, it's Motorola and now the cheap Nords and you don't have much else to pick from. So actually... These do a lot better. I guess the Nokias as well, the cheap Nokias make it better. Yeah, I was going to say, the only thing that Moto has on its side is brand recognition, really, is that more people who will be buying them will mm-hmm. know yeah. who they are. Um, and the I user experience. Yeah, I was good. about to say, yeah. the software. Yeah, that you're, um, getting, yeah you're getting stock or very close to stock, and that is... A yeah, appeal. latest Android 11 out of the box is, yeah. is a lot more. Mm. Yeah. A couple of things, um, just yep. looking at the comments. Are you about to do this as well, Dom? I was literally about to do that. You go ahead, Tom. <laughs> okay, okay. You got this. I'll mention a couple. Um, Jatty in the comments, uh, he was mentioning the fact it's a shame that when Google owned a Motorola, which was short, um, they should have done more with it. It's a shame they didn't do more with it, which I, I'd agree with. But then I find that sometimes what they're doing with the Pixel line looks like they don't always know what they're doing. So I'm not that <laughs> yeah. surprised in hindsight. Um, do we think that manufacturers are releasing too many phones every year? Um, and he's like, I know they're trying to cater for all markets, but I feel it's dampening creativity. So what do you guys think? Are there just too many phones from each manufacturer or is it just some offenders and not others? What do you guys think? I think, yeah, I think there's certainly some worse than others, but we talked like, I think last week or recent weeks, we talked about like Xiaomi just releasing so many different phones in a year. And that's Mm. actually been an effective strategy for them. So from a pure revenue point of view and getting the brand recognition, I can understand it. But then also from a consumer point of view, if I'm looking and thinking, which which phone do I buy? And then there's like there's one that's come out two weeks ago, and then there's another one rumoured a month away. It's very confusing, and you always feel like very quickly you're not going to have the latest phone. So I think yeah, I I like companies like the, the likes of Sony, even though their um, smartphone division is such a small percentage of the market i like that they've got like they've got like a budget phone they've got a mid-range and they've got a high-end phone it's very very clear what to buy so i like unless you're really really know what you're talking about among phones it's quite um it can be quite difficult to figure out actually just what you should buy and what that phone represents and where it fits in within the company's mm. whole lineup i yeah i i I think it's kind of partly a response from some companies to the way that users are upgrading much more slowly and almost just throwing more phones at the market is to try and keep this pressure to upgrade on, keep the idea that there's there's always something new and always something better. Mm. 
And it's also just for them, I think, about always getting the publicity. There's always a Xiaomi phone that's about to come out, and there's always a Realme phone that's about to come out. And so you, there's always this wave of media, you know, coverage of these brands because there's always something coming, you know, there's always a launch in the next few weeks. Whereas, you know, Apple has this very seasonal model where there's huge amounts of iPhone hype in September. But the rest of the year, you, you know, only the real nerds are talking about iPhones because we're talking about what might be coming in little leaks. The average person doesn't think about new iPhones until September. So they don't have to. Whereas Xiaomi can keep it in that space where people are aware there's a new Xiaomi all the bloody time. Because <laughs> um, the comment made a point about creativity from brands. Mm. And yeah, I think that is interesting because there aren't many now. Like if you are just churning out phones with like literally one or two things tweaked, ever so slightly it's like how many phones have we reviewed before where it's like you look at it and you're like it's basically this phone just yeah. with like you know yeah. a, a slightly different chipset or this or that or whatever whereas like um i know that obviously that was mainstream but like you know at least companies like lg like they release a concept and it's like that's different i don't know whether it would work <laughs> but yeah. i'm interested like yeah. and yeah there's so many now that if you looked at a lot of phones just like face up on the table, you wouldn't even be able to tell the difference between them yeah, um, yeah. because they're all a lot of carbon copies of each other. So I think I would like to see more brands going behind the scenes and just trying something that is a little bit different. We are maybe seeing that with like new foldables coming out and stuff like that. But mm. yeah, I want to see more originality. Yeah, I, I, Jetty's just said in the comments that when he looks at the Xiaomi site, he has no idea which one is the, is the top end. And I've got to be honest, as someone whose job is to know, I am yeah. the same. I, don't, <laughs> I could not tell you, like, give you a comprehensive rundown of the Xiaomi range and, and tell you within them how the latest Mi's stack up to the red Mi's yeah. and where the notes fit in, how the numbers relate to then the pro and ultra models within each number tier and whether the new... Whether you know whether the old pro version is better or worse than the new standard version or light version, and how many you know even on Mi 11s alone we're about to get to you know there's mm. four at a minimum we're now yeah. talking about, and that's before we hit the Note versions and the Redmi versions. When you watch like the event streams where they're launching these products, like the people in the comments are like Uber fans, so they know exactly. They are the ones yep. who I don't think they care about any other brand of phone. They are all in on like Xiaomi or Realme or, or any of these brands, particularly in the the Indian markets. I think that's where. There's a huge like just tech head contingent, yeah, um, and they they well, always I mean, like yeah so granular about the differences and that that matters to them. Yeah. I was going to say like even though I mean I'm not normally one to advocate for Apple, but like um, <laughs> and obviously there's a lot that's gone into them building their brand besides this, but there is there is value in waiting as well. Like you yeah. know mm-hmm. depending on the market, like you know there is value in building that hype and waiting months to be able to do something because the majority of mm-hmm. people who have a phone will have it for the amount of time between when the next handset is launched or longer. It will go in two year mm-hmm. yeah. cycles. So yeah. yeah. And that worked super well for OnePlus, you know, and it's one of the interesting things we've seen with OnePlus is there. That was, in a, in a, to a large extent, the way they built their brand up. And it's been one of the, you know, controversies with OnePlus fans over the past year as they've moved to expand the line and have more phones coming out. And people just immediately are worried this is diluting it and cheapening it and, and losing that because it did work for them for a long time. They had just a phone a year and then they shifted to once every six months. And that was it. And now they're trying to keep up with everyone else and do a phone every couple of months. Um, there's also one little note I'd like to say on this topic is 
I think it, we don't talk about it enough always in the tech space, but there is the environmental side. And we've obviously had this with chargers and a lot of companies saying they're taking chargers out as an environmental thing. <coughs> but if you are putting a phone out every two weeks, that is not good for the environment. <laughs> like, there's just no way. There's so much more waste happening as part of that process. Yeah. And there's absolutely no way you can justify it. And I remember a couple of years ago being in a briefing with Google about, um, I think it was for the Nest Mini, and they were quite proud of saying that it had been two years since they last did a version of this. As a sort of eco-friendly thing, they were like, yeah, we're not putting one out every six months. We're not putting one out every year. We waited two years because it took two years to have enough updates to make it worth a new version. Because they, you know, there's other reasons internally that go into that. I'm not saying Google is doing it purely out of the kindness of their heart, thinking about the environment, far from it. But still, it, you know, it's clearly something they at least think about from a marketing perspective. And I would like to see more pressure on companies to kind of say, hey, look, it's, it is better for the environment if you put out fewer products um, and space them out more rather than this sort of throw everything at the wall because there is absolutely just a lot more e-waste generated as part of that process. And we've, quite, we've kind of seen that because compared to smartphones, like smart speakers are so much, so they're much newer technology. So I think brands are waiting a bit longer. I hope it doesn't get to the point if we have lots of other brands in that space, that all of a sudden they feel that they have to kind of release ones every six months when, you know what I mean? Like I've got the original Amazon Echo and it still works just fine. It doesn't, there's not, most of the features are kind of like software based. Um, uh, so hopefully it doesn't get to the point where there's like these incremental tiny upgrades in that space. Yep. Um, right. Okay. Well, the, yeah, the Moto G10 and G30 are out now if you're in France or Poland. And if you are not, they will probably be out soon. We don't know about the US though. And, uh, you know, markets may vary. But yeah, a couple new budget phones that look like they've got some problems. Uh, we have them in for review. Uh, as Toddy said, our photographer has them right now. So we will have sort of more official thoughts on the site next week or the week after. Right. Next up, uh, having just really slagged them off for 20 minutes <laughs> uh xiaomi if uh, anything the, the g10 and g30 were quite the conversation starter even if they themselves are not the most exciting devices so yeah, you gotta give them props exactly. there <laughs> uh the mi 11 ultra is probably coming and we now know everything about it this is kind of funny we've, we've had the xiaomi mi 11 launch and it launched on its own just the mi 11 uh, first in China and then in the West. And as I showed before, I've still got it here. I'm working through my review and testing it. Um, immediately, people turn to, what about the Mi 11 Lite? What about the Mi 11 Pro? And we had some rumors and leaks on each. There wasn't really anything about the Mi 11 Ultra. We knew there was probably going to be one because there was a Mi 10 Ultra, but no one really knew much about it relative to the other two. We knew a lot more about the Pro than we did the Ultra. Then all of a sudden, Tech Buff PH on YouTube, a Filipino YouTuber, just suddenly dropped a video with two seemingly legitimate Mi 11 Ultra samples, one in black, one in white. Like two phones, completely working, completely functional. He shows them off in a 10-minute hands-on video. It's all in Filipino, unfortunately. Um, so, you know, if you don't speak Filipino, it's hard to get a sense of it. And I, I haven't actually seen anyone do a full translation of it. But you can get, get a bit of a sense of what's going on. He quickly turned the video private. Um, I'm guessing there were some very angry lawyers involved in that decision, uh, but not not before it could get mirrored and re-uploaded on YouTube by a few channels and obviously screenshotted um, very comprehensively. So we know still pretty much everything that was coming out of these. I'm going to go straight to the elephant in the room here, which is the camera module, which is just wilding. Like <laughs> Xiaomi has just gone off here. I don't know. It's, it's insane. 
they they have made the biggest camera module I've I've seen. It puts the the um, S twenty Ultra absolutely to shame. It goes all the way across the top back of the phone. It sticks up what looks like five or six millimeters from the back <laughs> of the body. It's got four lenses. We'll get to them, uh, or maybe it's three lenses actually. But the bigger thing is that there is a a tiny little display. There's just a little screen on the camera module. Yeah, but it's not like Z Flip small. It's different. Well, it's kind. It's not much bigger than no. the Z Flip one. They're just trying to do a lot more with it. Seemingly, it is a sort of one inch across display or something like that. I mean, we 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 don't have a proper spec on it. I don't think so. I don't think we have an exact size for that display. It's a tiny little display built into the camera module. It is really you know that big or something. Um, what's shown in the video is it actually fully mirroring the front display of the phone. So you can see it showing, you know, the Android home screen and opening apps and stuff. I can't imagine that's really what it's meant for. No. Um, my The obvious assumption is it's meant to be for selfies and that it's for opening the camera up, mirror, throw that to the back, and then you can take a selfie with the, the, the rear camera array. Um, and it's just a way of then being able to see what's going on there. Which we've seen before, it's just not quite in this way. We've seen there are there was a Vivo Redmi phone. Sorry, oh. what was that? I was thinking of the Vivo one with like it had a full screen like on the back. Mm. That was just yeah. like a sixteen by nine screen. Yeah. That's the one I thought of. So there's been a Vivo one with a full screen. There was another one I now I think it's the Meizu, but I'm not sure mm. that had a smaller screen halfway down the back. Um, those had a bit more usability than this. Like, this screen is so tiny that it is just. Um, seemingly for for selfie taking. The other thought, though, is it could be like I was saying just on the podcast last week that it's a tiny little good screen for notifications. <laughs> when you don't want to look at the big bad screen, you flip it over and you get your little notification pop-ups on the tiny little good screen. But maybe that's why <laughs> in its beta stage, it does show the full Android UI because it's designed to do more than just show your camera mm. when you're using yeah. that camera. Maybe. It, I'm just looking at it now. And laughing. <laughs> yeah. It it seems how, how what is it made what is the how, screen how like made made of? Like is it is it gonna be if I put my phone down, yeah. am I gonna be scared about breaking this? Like do you know what I mean? If it's got a what if you do it full screen up, you mean, and the camera on the face down? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, yeah. I've just got my phone resting right now. And, you know, obviously the camera module's on the back and I'm not worried about that. But, like, if I did it with Lots this phone or if, you know, you put it down too hard, would it break of... it? <laughs> High-end phones use, like, or claim to use, like, sapphire crystal lens covers. But I can't imagine they would put a bit of sapphire across the whole back across of the, the phone at the top. That would yeah. be so expensive. So probably just they'll say it's toughened Gorilla Glass or something and hope yeah. for the best. Can't put a case on it. Like you can, but, you know. Yeah. Jatty has then said in the comments that he thought it was Photoshop. And it is worth saying, this is on a video. Like you can watch there is live action footage of this that I know people will have seen can the photo. Put so it in the comments. It doesn't look uh, maybe photoshopped. It looks really, really legit. Um, I, so it's, it's. I'll see if I can find the uh, the link. I think I've got it somewhere. I would say it's instead of in the news story as well. So we can yeah, go yeah. to techadvisor.co.uk and check out our Mi 11 <laughs> specs yeah. and features roundup. And in there, the video is embedded. 
I think I've just found. That's one of the mirrors that's still live. So if you're if you're watching live on YouTube right now, it's there in the com in the chat. You can see the link to go watch it yourself. But uh, it, it is it is a, a video that it, it's hard to see that this is fake because if it's fake, someone's put so much work what into so? it. I mean, they've How? built the thing, they've yeah, made it they work. Can. So <laughs> how did this person? get hold of it in which case like this is what i'm trying to work out like and, and as well I, I had a look so on the top top of this video he's like i've just got a thousand subscribers and i just checked and <laughs> yeah, that's well. that's gone up he's now got two and a half thousand wow. in like but yeah i mean yeah I, I don't understand like obviously it's not a massive youtuber so how is this person no it's oh. very it's very old. I, I mean, it must be that there's some manufacturing in the Philippines, and that's somehow how yeah. the prototypers, yeah. a couple of prototypes, have gotten out mate or something you sneak like that. One in or something. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of Samsung manufacturing in Vietnam, and that's usually where you see suddenly like yeah. S21 leaks or whatever. Mm. Uh, there was a guy in the US though who had like a camera hands-on with the S21 Plus in the lead up to that yes. phone's release, which is weird. Last year, and that came that was like a week or two before as well. So yeah. it's, the pipelines are getting worse and worse for for whole phones slipping out ahead of time. Yeah. Uh, we might as well talk about the other stuff about this phone rather than just that strange little screen. I mean, first off, the camera, because this really will be the main reason to buy this phone. Um, it's a triple camera. I think I said quad earlier on, but I was wrong, sorry. Um, it still has, it says 120 times zoom on the back, so it's another periscope zoom. And that periscope is apparently 48 megapixels, though, paired with a 48 megapixel wide angle and a 50 megapixel main sensor. This, again, is the claim from this video, so we've got to take him at his word. Um... So camera specs are very, very high. I, we don't have details yet of specific sensors and things like that, which in a way is what really matters here. But I think it's a safe bet Xiaomi will be throwing the biggest, best sensors it can at this thing. Um, you can tell just looking at the module, these are large sensors. You know, they are taking up a lot of space. So good reason to think these are all going to be very large um, camera sensors and are going to do great. A lot of the rest of it is similar to the Mi 11. Um, the display looks like it's the same. It's 6.8 inch. It's 120 hertz, WQHD+, it's curved on all four edges like the Mi 11 is, so it looks like it's probably exactly the same panel. Uh, it's worth saying it does have a selfie camera punch hole, even though it's got that rear-facing camera set up with the selfie sort of screen mirroring, they have still put a normal selfie camera in, that's meant to be 20 megapixels. Um, the big differences between this and the Mi 11, other than that camera stuff, are it's supposedly got IP68, it's got a 5,000 milliamp hour battery, so that's a little bit larger. Um, and then the charging speeds are what's impressive, where it's 67 watt wired charging and 67 watt wireless. Is that the biggest <laughs> uh, we've ever seen? On wireless, yes. What's funny yeah. is the wired charging is actually slower than the Mi 10 Ultra. Um, <laughs> that's weird. But it matches the wireless, you know, again, wireless. according to this video. I don't believe that. But the I'm 67 watt wireless is very fast. So the, the Mi 11, the standard Mi 11 is 50 watt wireless, 55 watt wired for for comparison. Right. But it's insanely fast. Yeah, I don't know how they do the wireless without it just catching fire, to be honest. Either the charger or the phone. Like, it's mad. Yeah. The amount mm. of like, heat yeah. that would come out of that system. Mm. And then, then, like we said before, you have to buy a special charger for it. Most people sure. still charge it yeah. really slow. And with everything else that they're packing in there, you mm. wonder how the durability of the actual battery is over time. Like, I think that's yeah. something we've talked about, isn't it? That mm. like the ones with mm. like really fast wired wired charging or wireless charging, you want to use it for like a year and then see how it actually holds mm. up after a year. Because if you need to like get rid of it, then it's no good, is it? So, well, like we said, it is interesting that they have pulled back on that top 
wired speed. And I do wonder if that is a reflection of something they had to do to make space for the faster wireless. They couldn't uh, make both work together. Mm. But that that does maybe ease a little of that concern around battery longevity because it's not going for, you know, 120 watt wired. It's 67, which is still very fast, but it's a, a more reasonable number than some of the crazy wide speeds we've seen thrown around um so but it's hard to talk about this phone in a way in terms of what we think it'll be different from the mi 11 because fundamentally these other little bits are quite minor slightly faster charging slightly bigger battery ip68 it really just comes down to that camera module and how it stacks up against the standard mi 11 um the mi 10 ultra camera we didn't test one ourselves i i, I don't think we managed to get one but i know the people who reviewed it thought it was absolutely phenomenal um, and they, they just threw everything at it. So I, I do feel like there's good odds this is going to be a, a barnstormer in the camera department. Uh, a crown that I guess right now, Toddy, you would say the S21 Ultra. Yeah, I'm, I know I'm kind of inclined. I, that. I did a quick comparison last night in low light uh, with even like, you know, the regular S21, the Note 20 Ultra, the Pixel 5, and the iPhone 12 Pro Max. And at least in that one test I did yesterday, it was clearly the best one like noticeably which i was very very surprised by um so yeah they've really put their put the effort in with the camera on the s21 ultra so it's going to be tough to beat i feel like if anyone's going to beat them it'll probably be xiaomi maybe oppo you know last year i think we thought the the fine x2 pro was probably one of the best camera phones of last year so there's a chance the fine x3 might be this year's best um but obviously we have to wait and see but yeah, I feel like Xiaomi just has every chance in the same kind of vein because they do, especially nowadays, seem to really pour a lot of time and energy into the camera specifically on their flagships. Yeah. It's just a shame. Um, it's so ugly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, again, Jassy said, you just wish they'd, they'd make the camera bump smaller. And this is Xiaomi going all in in the other direction. Just kind mm. of saying, the bit, you know, we will have whatever size camera bump we need to do to throw in whatever specs they they want to throw into that camera but i i totally agree i i think i'd i'd rather compromise on the camera a little bit and and have that balance you know i think you know something like the mi 11 strikes a fairly nice balance of camera module size and how much it juts out to mm -hmm. still getting very mm -hmm. very strong camera performance but yeah, you know i guess i guess there will be an audience of camera buffs who exactly. want the best this... camera and if this turns out to be it then they've achieved what they want to achieve haven't they it's not for me cost? but there's definitely a space for that <laughs> yeah <laughs> Whether there's an audience for tiny little camera module screens mm -hmm. <laughs> is another matter. Very curious to find out. Um, assuming this is real, there's still a bit of me that thinks Xiaomi's going to unveil the Mi 11 Ultra. It'll be totally different. And then there'll be someone who makes a great documentary sometime about how this <laughs> Filipino YouTuber managed to completely fake the Mi 11 Ultra. <laughs> oh, if, he, if he has, we'll find out. I'm seriously well impressed. Yeah, yeah. Seriously, seriously impressed. <laughs> We'll see. Uh, moving on, uh, let's turn to LastPass, the password manager that I think it's probably fair to say up until recently was pretty widely regarded as the best and the most popular around. It certainly sat at the top of our password manager uh, article on the site where we recommend all the ones we've tested. We said LastPass was the best one to use, in large part because it had a great free tier um, that gave you unlimited password storage in the password manager and all sorts of stuff for free. I appreciate they don't really make much money from the free tier inherently. <laughs> and it's always going to be part of their business model to drive people from free into premium or, or pro. Uh, I think they call their model premium. Uh, that's always what they've got to do. 
And there's this delicate balance all these companies have to strike between making the free model good enough to get you through the door, but just limited enough that you start to get frustrated over time and, and think about paying more. Um, LastPass have screwed this up completely. Uh, it's pretty obvious, I guess, that their business model was not working and that they made the free tier too generous before. They have now made it hilariously too restrictive. <laughs> uh, the current setup is you are allowed to use LastPass free on unlimited devices, as long as they're all the same type of device. <laughs> They've divided devices into computers and mobile. If you use LastPass free on a computer, you can use it on as many computers as you like, but you cannot use it on a phone. Similarly, if you put it on your phone, you can use it on multiple phones or tablets, but you cannot touch a laptop with it. I don't know anyone whose digital life is exclusively based on one platform or the other. <laughs> it's mind-boggling. The only... I don't fully understand how LastPass works in terms of, like, jumping between the two, but I'd say on mobile, uh, especially if you have, like, a Samsung phone, for example, there are built-in password managers for, say, yeah. if you have a Samsung account, or Google does do it um, in Chrome and, and on certain apps as well. Yeah. So... If I had to pick, I guess I'd pick the computer route because I might be able to use my phone's alternatives, built-in alternatives, mm. as like the kind of stopgappy thing, but it's not ideal. Yeah, um, the only thing I was going to say was um, uh, banking apps seem to be moving a lot more mobile first now. Um, mm. But, you know, mm. so you have yeah. to, even if you log in on a PC, you need digital password on your mobile. Yeah. Well, my, yeah, my bank again, doesn't even have a digital a PC one even more. I have to use the app. That's my only oh, wow. option from my oh. bank. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think even then, like password managers, depending on the setup, mm. may not even be useful because sometimes the banking ones have their own. Yeah. You, to get into it, them, so. Yeah. And I think I'm I'm with you totally. If I was the last person who's really making this choice, I'd go computer because you've got this wide range and compatibility you're going to have across computers, and I do think on mobile you'll hit apps that don't play nicely with it anyway and things like yeah. that. So it makes more sense to draw the line there. But it just feels like this is... It misses the point of what a free tier is presumably meant to do, which, like I said, is get people in the door to try it out and then eventually give you just enough limitations that you think is worth paying £3 a month mm. to remove those limitations. But I just can't see anyone getting in the door like this. You know, when mm. you look at it and you're told oh yeah, you've got unlimited devices, but not across category. You just say, right, cool. Well, I, I won't try that one. It obviously doesn't work. I'll try this other one that only gives me two devices, mm. but they can be my laptop and my phone, which are the two devices I need it to be. Yeah. And it's then eventually the you get annoyed because your your partner's got a laptop and you want to be able to access on there. And then that becomes such a nuisance. You eventually think, uh, yeah, no, I will pay to mm. solve that problem. Mm -hmm. but, you know, you'd get in the door that way. You'd start using it that way. And, and, and it's telling, you know, that this is, I don't follow password managers at all, but this has been all over tech mm. press because everyone's yeah. just saying, right, well, what, what, what do I use instead of LastPass now? Every LastPass user out there is trying to get out. Yeah. I mean, um, I've got the um, the best password managers open. Um, you can link to it in the comments, maybe, if people want to take a look or looking for a, for a thing. Um, second on our list is Bitwarden which has also mm. been given a five stars written by, is this written by Jim, I believe? Um, I think it's Jim. Yeah, yeah Jim. Yeah. And um, yeah, it says it's good, basically good if you're an individual, it's free to use. So I think 
yeah, it's you've got all the core cool features that you need, like unlimited login, syncing across all devices, last pass, <laughs> looking at you, <laughs> secure pan- uh, password generator, self-host option. The only thing that you'll get on free is emergency access, um, which I'm not exactly sure what that is, but you don't get it. It's basically <laughs> about how you, uh, yeah, how you can kind of have a code so that you can always get back into your account okay. when you're not on when you're on a new device and things like that. It is yeah. possible to, because obviously these secure your passwords, they have to be in turn extra secure. Um, they often does, are set up in ways that they have this emergency access and without it, you literally can't get in. I have lost a password manager account because <laughs> I, you know, lost, didn't have the only device I was currently signed in on, couldn't access the emergency kit. And they were literally just like, yeah, that's it. You, you can't get into that account anymore. I'm sorry. I... Yeah. Yeah, that's the, um, uh, tough. They did yeah, mention... And- Oh no! I was just going to say the only other things it doesn't have is encrypted uh, encrypted for storage files, and that's in premium. But then that that ups you to around about seven pounds fifty per month. That's quite That's pricey. Yeah. I mean, it's worth but saying that LastPass they LastPass dropped the price of their premium tier yeah. in the process of making this change, which was clearly temporary. You know, the hope that is it temporary? <laughs> I didn't see that. Oh, is it? Okay. Apparently so. Yeah. At least in the and US, not... anyway. I read a US article to check. It it's not a huge different. drop either. It's not like it's a, they dropped it by twenty percent or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, but still, it is it is fairly cheap. It's it's two or three pounds or dollars a month, something yeah. like that. Um, the way it balances that, it's not that pricey. I guess what they're banking on is this kind of like inertia thing that the effort of moving password managers, yeah, is probably so intense that if you're already in and they announce this and you go, God, this is terrible, you're basically faced with the choice of. I could spend all afternoon trying to move all my <laughs> passwords over to another password manager, or I pay two pounds a month and this problem goes away. <laughs> yeah, and but that is you know, sort of like convenience. I, yeah. I've I've done that with the cloud storage. You know, my Google cloud storage right now, and it was Same, like I knew I could to move to another fair. platform. I could sort it out. I could back everything up. I could manage all my files mm. and clear the stuff I didn't really need anymore to get that space back. The problem or is that the... I could pay one pound fifty nine per month. <laughs> there, there is something though that has to be said like i saw a piece of advice on twitter i know dangerous but like it said like <laughs> what you should always do like at least maybe twice a year is actually look at all the subscriptions that you have active oh, and see what you can deactivate because yeah, it's so yeah. easy just to be like yeah i'll like pay that two pounds a month it's nothing and then yeah. you look at everything and you're like oh my lord like how much i'm paying per yeah. month and yeah it's just that's how they get you that's the new model now this move i think yeah it'll probably it's it's less of an issue for existing customers because i think there will be those complacent people who just don't want to bother moving over to a new one and that's fine last boss is kind of like covered there but i think it is pretty hostile to new users much more yeah yeah you know uh evernote i use evernote um and they a few years back trimmed down their their device allowance they thankfully did just go to you can have one laptop and one phone active at any one time and you can move those around often i don't know if there's a limit on how frequently you can move them around but it has to just be one phone and one laptop but that's that's fine that works that's okay yeah yeah and i would pay you know if if that bothers me then i'll move to something fancier Mm. but yeah that works for me and that's what last boss should have have done which i think we're on the same page about but in terms of new users looking at password managers and going, oh, this one only works on my laptop yep. or my mobile devices. That's why not... would you try it? Why? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So there's so many out there, so many with other free tiers. Why would you pick that one as the one to sign up for? Do you so think I mean, the yeah. attention is going to move them to 
rethink what the free offering is. Yeah. I you'd think so. I think we're gonna see them walk this back. Yeah. To some extent. Yeah. Yeah. Not back to what they had before. But. <laughs> no. It's mm. rare that we see a password manager get this much press. <laughs> not good press. Yeah. So yeah. But uh, yeah, that's what I mean. That all the other password managers, there's for like you say, Toddy, for like new customers, there's no mm. obvious drawbacks. Why there's would nothing, you? Yeah. yeah, there's not like there's not like a LastPass ecosystem that you're like buying into because of this. Um, yeah, and the, and, yeah. and and you've already got to convince someone to make the move to your password manager away from say the fact that Apple is saving your passwords and the fact that Google is, you know, I'm, I admit I'm very lazy. I do not use a dedicated password manager. I use Chrome and Chrome has a password manager and I've started using the Chrome suggested passwords that suggest those gobbledygook Mm -hmm. strings. Mm -hmm. Um, So that is kind of having that like secure, extra security that a password manager brings as well. But like, you know, you've got to convince me that you're offering me something that's better than what Chrome is already doing for me. Well, what's interesting is like, because I'm just trying to think of this from the, from, you know, like the perspective of someone who, the average person who's lazy and like will just Google it. And like LastPass doesn't actually even come up on the first page of like any of the other suggested software. Um, so it's only by word of mouth that people must mm. know about. Oh no, I tell a lie. It's right at the bottom. <laughs> it's right at the bottom. But like, yeah, it's just like, you know, yeah. Their free it's tier like, was so good. That's yeah, the problem. They can't, they they can't rely that. Yeah. now on getting new customers from like, you know, being on google or whatever yeah the the way they were getting it was from them being good and now that they've lost that well it's like (laughs) yeah Uh, yeah i guess the angle that LastPass would probably when these other password managers would try and push is it being more secure than the equivalent in like say chrome or something but for the average for the average person who's looking they just want something that's going to store all their passwords that's going to give them like the gobbledygook ones that you can't guess and that And like Chrome or Apple or anyone else will do that for them. So, yeah. Yeah. Or you just try and become creative with your own passwords yourself. Mm. <laughs> I guess. I have tried, but there are limits. Um, <laughs> I will admit, though, this has been one of those little reminders to me. I am finally dragging myself into a password manager, um, not LastPass. But this has prompted me. You know, it being in the news is a good thing because suddenly there's probably a lot more awareness of a lot of people uh, about password managers anytime this happens. And that's a good thing because they are good software and they are worth using. And I've, it's been that little pang of guilt inside me for years that I'm a tech journalist who should know better. And I, I do not know better. And and Chrome <laughs> reminds me a lot that I have unsecure passwords and I should yeah. really do something about that. Uh, I'm finally <laughs> yeah, going to stop same. ignoring that <laughs> notification and do something about it. I've actually Get put off it on my, my to-do Chrome. list for this week. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that is us for this week. Thank you to everyone who has been watching along or listening. If you're on the audio version, we will be back again next week. We will be talking for sure about the Huawei Mate X2, which launches on, I think, Monday. It's on February 22nd. So that's when we're going to see Huawei's next-gen foldable device, which is expected to have a complete form factor shift. Big changes of foot there. And we will see what else happens for us together. So, thanks everyone. Bye. Bye. Bye.